In this class, we're going to continue our discussion of prevention and management of peristomal skin complications with a specific focus on peristomal moisture-associated skin damage. So we've already talked about common types of peristomal skin complications. Now we're gonna focus on the clinical presentation of different types of PMASD and management options for each type of MASD. So remember that we currently divide peristomal skin complications into those that are caused by expo exposure to moisture, so maceration, pseudoverrucous lesions, irritant contact dermatitis, yeast dermatitis, and allergic contact dermatitis all fit within the umbrella of peristomal moisture-associated skin damage. Peristomal medical adhesive-related skin injury comprises folliculitis and mechanical damage. And then we have two additional types of peristomal complications, peristomal pressure injury and peristomal pyoderma gangrenosum. But in this class, we're gonna talk primarily about moisture-associated skin damage. We've talked before about measures for prevention of peristomal skin complications. I'm going to summarize them again. They're critically important. So pre-op stomacyte marking to give us the very best chance of having a stoma located on a flat pouching surface. Post-op assessment and management to establish a secure pouching system based on abdominal contours, stomal height, and location of the os. Provision of post-op follow-up, both home health and then long-term follow-up in the outpatient arena so that we can adjust the pouching system as indicated. We know stoma shape and size is going to change with healing. We know abdominal contours are going to change with healing. We know that many, many times we need to add convexity, add a belt, change the basic pouching system. We have to educate the patient and the caregiver on an ongoing basis. As we make adjustments, they have to make adjustments. So every change we make is tied to critical patient and caregiver education. And again, we always want to make sure that our patient and our caregiver knows how to manage minor irritation. Because many times if they manage minor irritation correctly, they can keep it from turning into a major problem. So every patient, every caregiver needs to know how to recognize beginning skin damage and how to respond with crusting. Okay, so now let's focus on peristomal moisture-associated skin damage. We're gonna talk first about maceration. So maceration is just over-hydration of the skin. We see it in many different um, scenarios. You see it when you keep your hands in water too long and they become soft and pruney. Um, and we can also see it around a stoma because that skin can easily become overhydrated. The problem is when the skin becomes overhydrated, 
it becomes extremely vulnerable. It looks soft, it is soft, it's much less resistant. All of the skin cells, when they're overhydrated, they're stretched. The cell membrane is now very thin. So it takes nothing to cause breakdown in the skin. Also, overhydrated skin is much more vulnerable to penetration by irritants and by pathogens. When do we see maceration? in our ostomy population, most commonly with urinary diversions because you think, okay, well, they're gonna have very high volume, very liquid drainage that's flowing over the skin almost constantly. So yes, those patients would be very vulnerable to maceration. But we can also see this in our ileostomy patients because they also have high volume drainage so those are the two patient populations that are at greatest risk for overhydration. Um, clinical presentation is really pretty straightforward and easy for us to understand because we've seen overhydration in other situations. So the skin will look soft, it'll look moist, it'll feel moist, it will appear lighter in color than the surrounding skin. And typically, the area of involvement will match areas of overhydration of the barrier. So when you take off the pouch, you look at the back of the pouch, you look at the skin, and you're like, yes, the skin looks overhydrated in this area, and that matches the area of the barrier that is overhydrated. So how do we manage this? Well, we can treat the overhydrated area with crusting. That's a great choice, because we put on the powder, the dust off the excess, and the powder absorbs some of that excess moisture. Figuring out what's causing it is really the challenge. So treatment of the skin itself, not a big deal, but figuring out what caused it. So we have to, again, evaluate our patient lying, sitting, twisting, standing. Try to determine what's going on here. It, do we have drainage that's undermining the seal? And that is why we're getting this overhydration. Is the issue that the patient's not changing the pouch often enough, and that's why we're getting overhydration? Is the issue a lifestyle issue? Maybe the patient's going to the gym and working out and sweating a lot, but not changing the pouch after their workouts, and maybe we need to change that um, component of their routine. So we want to make sure that our pouch is fitted correctly. We want to make sure that we're not getting any undermining. We want to make sure that the opening in the pouch is sized correctly. If there's evidence that we're not obtaining and maintaining a secure seal, we might think about adding adhesive to see if that makes a difference. Also, sometimes it's helpful to change the type of barrier. If we have a patient in a standard wear hydrocolloid barrier, they might benefit from shifting to an extended wear hydrocolloid barrier. Remember the difference. Extended wear barriers are designed to handle moisture more effectively. They have greater ability to absorb without loss of seal. 
than a standard wear barrier. So it's always a good checkpoint when you have a patient with a urinary diversion or an ileostomy. Do I have this patient in an extended wear barrier? Did they, the patient, inadvertently order the wrong barrier when they ordered their supplies? Just double check that point. Not routinely, but occasionally, you might have to recommend an antiperspirant to the peristomal skin. So this is most likely to be an issue when you have a young patient, they're working out, they're playing tennis, they're jogging, they're working outside, and they tell you, I sweat all the time, and you take off the barrier, and yes, the whole barrier looks overhydrated. The entire skin, peristomal skin area, looks overhydrated, and it doesn't appear to be related to any kind of undermining, any kind of leakage. Then the patient might tell you, yeah, I sweat a lot. Um, I change the pouch twice a week, but I go to the gym five times a week. So then we have a couple of um, interventions we can recommend. We can say, okay, I'm going to try you on an antiperspirant to the peristomal skin. And you can go to the drugstore and you can look for antiperspirants that do not leave a powdery film. And what you're trying to do is shut down sweating right in this area. That's what antiperspirants do. So that can be a very effective intervention apply an antiperspirant. The other thing you might have to recommend to your patient is, okay, let's look at your schedule for going to the gym because I think you're probably going to need to change your pouch every time you go to the gym. It looks like you're sweating so much that it's overwhelming the barrier's ability to absorb the moisture. We'll try the antiperspirant first if that's not enough we might have to increase the frequency of your pouch change to kind of match your workout routine. And you want to make sure they're managing external moisture appropriately. So after you get out of the shower, dry well, take your hair dryer on a cool setting, dry the tape and the um, fabric back into your pouch. If you don't dry the tape, with the hair dryer on a cool setting, then that's trapping moisture next to your skin. That can be part of the problem. Okay, pseudoverrucous lesions, much less common. We don't see these very often, but as an ostomy nurse, you have to know them when you do see them. So these are <coughs> wart-like lesions, and that's why they're called pseudoverrucous. Verrucous lesions are warts. Pseudoverrucous means they look like warts, but they're really not. So these look like warts, but they're caused by chronic overhydration of the skin, which acts as an irritant to the skin. By far, most likely to occur among your urostomy patients. Occasionally, we will see them in high-output ileostomies, but not frequently at all. I would say out of all the pseudoverrucous lesions I've seen, probably 90, <clears throat> 95% have been in my urinary diversion patients. So what do they look like? They look wet, but they have that wart-like appearance, as you can see from this illustration. 
they typically occur right around the stoma. They're usually clustered at the base of the stoma. Sometimes they extend to the stoma itself. The area of involvement is going to match the overhydrated area on your used barrier. So when you take off the pouch, you look at the backing, you look back at the skin, it's a match. It's like this is the area that is chronically wet. Now, do patients have any symptoms, any discomfort? Yes. Interestingly, they do. So they frequently will complain of itching, tenderness, sometimes bleeding. And because these lesions are wet and irregular, they can interfere with the pouch seal. So they might also tell you that since I've developed these, whatever they are, it seems like I have more trouble keeping my pouch on. So how do we manage these pseudoverrucous lesions? We've got to get them flattened out and dried up. So we begin with silver nitrate. That's a great initial approach. It helps to cause sloughing of the top layer of macerated skin. So silver nitrate first. You'll have to do more than one treatment um, most of the time. Then you can do your ostomy powder. So silver nitrate, then ostomy powder, which has a drying effect. You can use your liquid skin barrier. It's not essential. So ostomy powder with or without the liquid skin barrier. Critical to assure a secure seal so you prevent further contact between the peristomal skin and the drainage. Most of the time you're going to need to use a barrier ring so that it will contour right around the stoma, cover the pseudoverrucous lesions, manage the moisture from the pseudoverrucous lesions, and support your pouch seal. You might need to add convexity, you might need to add a belt, um, you might need to add adhesive, but almost always you'll need to add a barrier ring. If you are not already using an extended wear barrier, you probably should uh, switch to an extended wear barrier because it's very clear you'll need that additional moisture management that you get from an extended wear barrier that you're not going to get from standard wear. The other thing you could use, and you can see this as one of the options in that central um, illustration, you could consider a pouch with an adhesive foam instead of a hydrocolloid barrier. Now, I think the only company that makes adhesive foam right now is New Hope. But what that adhesive foam does is a closed cell foam, so it will not absorb moisture. So it gives you a secure seal, but it doesn't turn into a wet ring. So if you're having problems resolving either maceration or pseudoverrucous lesions, even with an extended wear barrier and a barrier ring, think about a trial of adhesive foam. Make absolutely sure your patient is changing the pouch often enough. You might need to, at least on a short-term basis, move them to an every two to three day pouch change frequency just to keep the skin drier. Make sure they're sizing the opening in the pouch correctly. 
Remember, most of these lesions occur in your urostomy patient population. Also remember that these are more likely to occur when the urine is concentrated and alkaline. So in addition to focusing on your pouch seal, in addition to focusing on topical management of these lesions, make sure that the patient's drinking enough fluid and that you're maintaining an acidic urine. You might need to add vitamin C to acidify the urine. If it is a patient with an ileostomy, uncommon, but if it is a patient with an ileostomy and you have very high output liquid stool, then consider agents that thicken the stool, possibly some of your antidiarrheal agents like Imodium, possibly products like Cilium that help take liquid to more of a gel form. Probably the most common peristomal complication is irritant contact dermatitis. Definitely the most common among the peristomal moisture-associated skin damage. And here you have erythema and you have patchy skin loss and you have pain related to prolonged contact between the skin and that liquid enzymatic stool. By far, the most common among your ileostomy patients because that's where you have high volume liquid enzymatic drainage. So very, very irritating to the skin. And if you have an ileostomy that empties at skin level, the patient's even higher risk. It's more difficult to protect the skin and you're more likely to see this irritant contact dermatitis. Now, the presentation is exactly as you would think. In the skin that is exposed to this drainage, first you develop erythema, then you start to get patchy areas of denudation, patchy areas of skin loss that occur immediately adjacent to and either inferior or mediolateral to the stoma, exactly where the drainage goes. So it typically is right adhere right adjacent to the stomach. When you take off the old pouch and you look at the back of the pouch, you look at the wafer and then you look at the skin, you're like, yes, I have a match between the areas of erosion on the barrier and the areas of damage on the skin. And what the patient will tell you is, this hurts. This is so sore. When drainage flows over, it burns and it stings. It itches, but I wouldn't dare scratch it because it hurts so bad if anything touches it. So the overwhelming subjective complaint is pain tenderness. And then they'll also tell you it's almost impossible to keep a pouch on. I put my pouch on on Monday. I'm lucky if it's still on Tuesday night. It seems like it's just sitting on a wet surface and it just keeps coming off. And of course, now we're into that vicious cycle. So management, we have to stop the leak. That's what's causing the skin damage. So yes, we can treat the skin damage with crusting, but we have to stop the leak. To stop the leak, we have to get the driest skin surface possible. So many times it's helpful to take a hair dryer on a cool setting 
and essentially blow the skin dry so that we're dealing with a drier pouching surface. Crusting, as we've already said, you can repeat your layers so you can dust on ostomy powder, dust off the excess, let that set. But if it's very wet, very damaged skin, you're probably going to need at least two or three layers of powder to create a gummy pouching surface instead of a wet pouching surface. Many times it's helpful to take a thin hydrocolloid, cut it out to fit around the stoma, put it over the irritated, damaged area so you have a pouching surface that your pouch will stick onto. It also helps because hydrocolloids are designed to absorb some moisture. And yes, your pouch backing is hydrocolloid. It's like giving you another layer. So a layer to protect and treat the skin. That layer also serves as a foundation for the pouching surface itself, for the back of the pouch, the barrier wafer. Anything you have to do to establish a secure seal. So do you need to add convexity? Do you need to add a belt? Would it help to put a barrier ring right around the stoma? Because again, it gives you a little bit of additional moisture control drainage management. But your primary focus is getting a good match between your pouching surface and the underlying abdominal surface because we have to stop the undermining. So probably the most common interventions are the addition of convexity, the addition of a belt that holds the pouch securely against the skin and prevents or significantly limits any kind of tracking undermining. Make absolutely sure that the opening in the pouch is sized correctly. Again, we're trying to minimize contact between drainage and the skin. Probably will need to increase the frequency of the pouch seal or the pouch change until we get the skin healed. So maybe this person normally changes their pouch twice a week, but right now they might need to change their pouch three times a week every two days until we get the skin healed. Once again, if thin drainage is part of the problem, think about strategies to thicken the drainage. So spend a lot of time here. This is what's gonna turn everything around. So get the skin as dry as you can. Do several layers of powder. Think about adding a hydrocolloid so that you have additional moisture management. Think about would it be helpful to add a barrier ring before you then add your pouch. Should you make the pouch convex? Should you select a convex option? Do you need to add a belt? The next um, problem we're going to talk about is yeast dermatitis. Now, as an ostomy nurse, you're going to get to where you can recognize yeast at 100 yards, probably. So when you see yeast, these two illustrations are classic. What you have is a maculopapular rash that is solid in the center. It thins at the periphery, and you have distinct satellite lesions right around the edge. 
it's caused primarily by candida albicans, so it's also known as peristomal candidiasis. Now, risk factors. Number one risk factor is moisture because that is a great environment for yeast to grow and reproduce. But antibiotic administration is another risk factor because, as you know, antibiotics knock down the normal bacterial counts. When you knock down the inhibiting bacteria, it, al it allows the yeast organisms to thrive. So moisture, antibiotics, steroids, poorly controlled diabetes, immunosuppression are all risk factors. But the number one risk factor is a wet peristomal surface. That's all yeast needs to get a toehold and to begin to replicate and to create problems. So clinical presentation, we've talked about some of this. You have a rash that's solid in the center. You have those distinct satellite lesions. It will appear red in people with fair skin. and people with dark skin, the involved area will be lighter in color. But the distribution's exactly the same. Solid in the center, distinct satellite lesions. And what the patient tells you is it's itchy, but it's also kind of tender. It's so itchy I have to rub it, but when I rub it, it's a little bit sore. And when you ask, the patient might report that they also have a rash in the axilla or in body folds. They may not, but yeast can become systemic. How do we manage this? Primarily by crusting with an antifungal powder. Now, over-the-counter myconazole products are excellent choices for treating peristomal yeast. So the patient can literally walk into a drugstore and look for anything that says antifungal. So they can get monostat derm. They can get lotrimin antifungal. They can get just generic myconazole. Anything that has myconazole is going to work. Now, they could also use prescription nystatin, but it's more expensive. It requires a prescription. And actually, the um, spectrum of activity is narrower. So you're going to typically get better results with a least expensive or a less expensive product. So typically, we just send people to the grocery store, the drug store, to get over-the-counter myconazole powder that will be very effective against peristomal candidiasis. A lot of times people will say, well, should I just get them a prescription for Diflucan? Should I call their provider? And you know what? Most of the time you don't need to do that. You only need to do that if they have axillary candidiasis, candidiasis in inguinal folds, candidiasis around the stoma, or if they fail to respond to topical therapy. But in the vast majority of cases, topical therapy is all you need. And then you want to make sure that you manage peristomal moisture. So you tell people, make sure that after you clean your skin, you dry your skin. 
Make sure that when you get out of the shower, you dry with a towel, but then you take that hair dryer on a cool setting, you dry your tape border, you dry the back into the pouch so you're not trapping moisture against your skin. If you go to the gym and you work out and you come home and everything's soaking wet, you're soaking wet, your pouch is wet, change your pouch. A less common problem is allergic contact dermatitis. Now we've already said that any component of your pouching system can act as a sensitizer for individual patients, can cause a quote allergic reaction. Now I want you to look at the second bullet point down there where it says confirmed allergies to pouching system components are rare. So a true cellular allergic reaction. Those do occur, but they're much less common than these sensitivity reactions. From a management perspective, though, it doesn't really matter whether the patient's having a sensitivity reaction or a true allergic reaction. Either way, we're going to have to modify their pouching system to eliminate that component. So bottom line, if my patient has an inflammatory reaction to any component of the pouching system, it's up to me to identify the component that's causing the reaction and to modify their pouching system to eliminate that. So clinical presentation is exactly what you would think. The area of involvement initially is a match to the component of the pouching system to which the patient is reacting. So you want to walk the patient through. Sometimes you look at them and you think, I know what they're reacting to. So I'm going to point out the illustration on top. This was my patient, and they were wearing an adhesive-only pouching system. This was a urostomy. The um, surface to the pouching system was round, and I thought they're reacting to the adhesive on the pouching system. But then I noted, you know what? The reaction goes all the way up to the stoma. And actually, when I sized the opening in this pouching system, it cleared the stoma itself by a quarter of an inch, but I don't see that quarter of an inch of skin um, being spared. I don't see any sparing. So I had the nurse walk me through what they did when they changed the pouch. The patient's still in the hospital. Nurses were changing the pouch. And they had used compound tincture of benzoin all the way up to the stoma. So this patient was actually reacting to the benzoin and not to the pouch. So very important to have the patient or the caregiver walk you through exactly how they went about changing the pouch, everything they used on the skin so that you don't misinterpret what the patient might be reacting to. So you will see erythema, you will see, you may see blistering. The erythema is usually fairly uniform, so you can stand back and you can get the pattern. So when you look at the illustration in the center of the slide, it's pretty clear that the patient was reacting to something on the border. It was the tape border. 
They were not reacting to the barrier ring, just to the tape border. But if you look at the one on bottom, it's like, well, they're reacting to the entire system. And what they were actually reacting to was an adhesive agent that was applied to the entire peristomal skin surface. So you'll see erythema with or without blisters, typically fairly intense itching, definitely some tenderness, and they might report difficulty maintaining the pouch seal, especially if they have blistering that would create a wet surface or if they're scratching a lot. So we've already talked about this. You've got to walk them through every step of their pouch change procedure to see what it is they're reacting to. If you're not sure, you can do patch testing. So you can either refer them to a dermatologist to do patch testing, or you can take the inside of the arm, make sure it's clean and dry, apply the products that you think might be causing the reaction, and then cover them with occlusive tape and monitor their response. And then you'll see what it is they're reacting to. How do you manage and irritant dermatitis. Well, obviously the most important thing is to identify the sensitizing agent and eliminate it. So if you're reacting to the tape border, the first thing I'm going to do is cut away the tape border and use hydrocolloid barrier strips or something to secure the outer edge until your skin calms down. And then I'm going to change you to a different pouching system with a different tape border. So it's going to involve a little bit of trial and error. If you reacted to one major company's products, it does not mean you will react to another company's products. So I've had people react to Coloplast, but they do fine with Convitec and Hollister. I've had them react to Convitec. I've had them react to Hollister. So they can react to any one company's products and be fine with other companies. So you want to tell them that right up front so they won't be so worried. I had one patient who came in, she was panicked. She had had a urinary diversion since she was a child. She had started reacting. She had gone to a dermatologist. He's like, you can't wear that pouch anymore. And she's like, oh my God, what am I going to do? So we had to say to her, look, there are many pouches out there. We will find one that works for you. I have never had a patient who was allergic to all of the pouching systems on the market. There's something that will work for you. So just because they react to one hydrocolloid doesn't mean they'll react to another. Just because they react to one tape doesn't mean they'll react to another. Remember that if they do have a sensitivity to hydrocolloids, we could always use an adhesive foam. There's also a non-hydrocolloid barrier from Marlin known as Skin Shield that they could use. There are trio silicone rings that are not hydrocolloid based. So there are options. So you just want to assure the patient up front, we're going to get through this, we're going to test you, we're going to figure out what you're reacting to, <clears throat> we're going to modify your pouching system, there's enough products on the market, we're going to find something that works for you. 
In the meantime, what do, do, what do we do about this acute inflammatory response? What do we do about the itching? You could use a topical antihistamine gel, like a Benadryl gel that you can get over the counter. It dries flat. You could use an over-the-counter uh, steroid cream, so hydrocortisone cream that massages in. You can't use an ointment, but you can use a cream. Um, so if they have major problems with itching, think about a topical antihistamine gel, a topical steroid cream. Also remember that once your skin is ticked off, it's likely to react to all kinds of things. It's mad. So you want to keep your pouching system as simple as possible. You want to minimize potential things that your skin might react to. So typically we will use either a topical steroid, a topical antihistamine, and then a barrier-based pouch, and maybe that's it. Keeping it very simple until that whole inflammatory response has settled down. So summarizing um, peristomal moisture-associated skin damage, you see the most common types, maceration, where our whole goal is manage the moisture, figure out where it's coming from, eliminate the moisture, use powder in the meantime to create a drier pouching surface. Pseudoverrucous lesions, most common in urinary diversion patients, might be seen in an ileostomy patient with high volume liquid stool. Again, manage your moisture. Keep the moisture off the skin. Is the moisture coming from the drainage? Then you focus on your pouching system. Is it maybe coming from sweating? Then maybe you have to think about antiperspirants to the peristomal area. Maybe you have to think about more frequent pouch changes. Um, crusting again, you probably are going to need silver nitrate to the pseudoverrucous lesions themselves. Irritant contact dermatitis, you're gonna treat the damaged skin, but you're gonna focus heavily on improving your pouch seal. You're getting undermining. Drainage is leaking underneath. How are you going to stop that? You may need to add convexity. You might need to add a barrier ring. You might need to add a belt. You might need to add adhesive. You've got to totally reevaluate your pouching system. Allergic contact dermatitis is all about figuring out what the patient's reacting to, eliminating that, modifying your pouching system so they're not using that sensitizing product anymore using a topical antihistamine gel or a topical steroid cream. And then for yeast dermatitis, again, you've got to manage your moisture. You've got to eradicate the yeast infection using typically an over-the-counter myconazole powder. Alternative is prescription-based nystatin. That's it for peristomal moisture-associated skin damage. Thank you.